Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So today, what are we talking about? We are getting into First uh, Timothy, the letter from Apostle Paul in First Timothy today. Um, so we'll pray and we'll get into the word. We'll get into a little bit of uh, what First uh, Timothy, that letter from Apostle Paul is all about. Uh, and I'm going to give you some extra because we're only supposed to read uh, verses 15, 16, and 17. Uh, but there's some other verses around it that give us more context that really help us understand what he is talking about. And so we're going to I'm going to give you that extra stuff as well today uh, as we look at First Timothy in chapter one. Um, all right. So let's pray and let's get into the word today this morning. Uh, Lord, I just I thank you as we're getting prepared and excited, not for all the things that you know we want to do, but Lord, may our focus be on you, that everything that we're doing, everything that we're preparing, everything, all the gifts that we're giving, uh, may we realize all of the symbolicness, all of the love, all of the joy, all of the um, preparation out of love is all ultimately because we celebrate this day, because we celebrate this time, because God, you sent your only son for us, that on this day, we are recognizing that Jesus came to us through miracles, through ways that no one else could have conceived, that no one else could have ever imagined, but you did, and you made it happen, and you gave us your only son on this day to raise us up, to lift us up, and to free us from our sin. Lord, we just thank you this morning as a church. We thank you this morning as we gather on this platform to hear your word and to hear from you. Lord, I surrender myself as I normally do um, every day, and I surrender myself to you right now. May this word be your word. May you teach us today exactly what you have for us in our hearts and our minds. Renew our minds for you. Renew us for your will. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> All right. Get a good stretch in. Get that sip of coffee that you may need. I want mine. There we go. And again, so I'm going to read um, 1 Timothy uh, first in verses 15, 16, and 17. That's our prescribed reading out of the first chapter today. Uh, but as I said, I'm going to give you some more context in that. Um, as we go along. All right. First Timothy chapter one, verse 15, reading out of the NLT. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his patience 
with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. All right. That is our reading today. So, first little bit of understanding. What is the first letter to Timothy? Who is Timothy? What is going on here? So, we have Apostle Paul, and if you go to verse 1, it, uh, he lays it out. Apostle Paul does this in most of his letters, um, is that this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. All right, right there. All right, Apostle Paul is saying, this is my letter to you, and it is to Timothy, right? Um, <clears throat> he talks to Timothy in verse 2 there, I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. So what Apostle Paul does is, as, and this is what we understand as the uh, apostleship, was to not only spread the gospel, but was to actually set up communities and churches to set up Christian communities all throughout. And we see Apostle Paul did that. Timothy is the head over the church uh, or community in Ephesus. Uh, but we also see that he's done this um, in Thessalonica and uh, Corinthians and all over um, the uh, Gentile world, if you will, um, pretty much predominantly throughout a lot of the Roman Empire. Um Going north up into Turkey, you see some of the islands south of Greece uh, and all the way in, even into Rome. And so uh, Apostle Paul, has he's a traveler. He's dealing with all of this, and he's setting up churches all over the place. And here he set up one in Ephesus. Um, we have a couple letters to Timothy, and we have Ephesians, which was written also to the church in Ephesus as well. And so Apostle Paul is doing that, and he's set up, he's journeyed, he's done life with Timothy for a while here, and he has tested him and has seen him faithful uh, in the faith. And so, and calls him my true son in the faith. He's somebody that has, uh, he has groomed, he has mentored, he has discipled him. He has done multiple connect groups together, all right, kind of thing. And so uh, Timothy is one of those great guys that uh, he's like, hey, boop, you are in charge of the church of Ephesus now. There you go, right? You like that? Boop, there you go. All right, so he puts him there, and he's writing a letter to him to give him instructions, to encourage him, and to also help him out in some of the struggles in which he has as the head pastor of uh, the church of Ephesus there. Uh, in 1 Timothy, we see a lot of, actually, in about three areas, in just this letter alone, he's talking about getting rid of and, and ignoring and pushing away false teachers. False teachers. Uh, why? A lot of it is, a lot of people want to focus on, well, he's just trying to bash these people that are false teaching. Uh, he Part of it is primarily his focus is, I don't care about the false teachers. What I care about is those that are being strayed away from the true faith, that are being led by false doctrines, 
I care about those that are truly, honestly seeking Christ Jesus and being told something that's wrong. His heart is for those that are truly seeking God. These other false teachers out there, they're uh, surprisingly, they're kind of telling them a little bit of what they want to hear, but they're giving them a whole bunch of rules. And there seems to be something weird about us as people that even though we don't like a lot of rules, there's a level of like, how many of you, you feel accomplished when you get a lot of cleaning done in the house? You feel accomplished when you get like a lot of email stuff checked off at work. You get, you feel accomplished when you get a lot of quote unquote stuff done, right? And so even though we don't like checklists, even though we don't like rules and stuff, there's still a level of our humanity that we like to know that we're getting things done by doing things. And so what a lot of these false teachers are talking about is if you do these things, then you are made right then you are okay. It's very much going off of the <clears throat> Mosaic law and saying that, that that's it. That's the only way. And they go through this and he's saying, stop. This is false teaching. Because I want to take you straight to verse 12. And this is like where it really is going to give us some context into the three verses that we're going to look at. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work, to do the work of the Lord, to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, not innocence, insolence, I persecuted his people. I persecuted his people. But God have mercy on me. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. I say this part in here to say that, look, yes, we also believe that faith without works is dead. However, it's faith first and then works. It's not the other way around. It's not that you can't do anything to get right. There's nothing you can do to get right. It's the faith that you have in the one that will get you right. It's the faith in the one that already did the final finishing work, the one that we are celebrating his birthday on in a few days. That's why Christmas is so special, because if it's just another birthday, guess what? It's just another birthday. But it's not just another birthday. It's the day that our Lord, our God, sent his only begotten son to this world through the birth of a virgin as it was given to us and told to us thousands and or hundreds of years before, fulfilling promises after promises 
God sent us his only son so that we don't have to get right to come to God, that God actually sent his son to get us right, to bring us to him, to say, come, I have done the work. Will you just have faith and work with me and I will work with you and I will strengthen you and I will renew your mind and I will love on you and I have so much grace and mercy for you. Will you just come to me? Will you just believe in me? Will you just have faith in the work of my son on the cross and his resurrection? If you just do that, we'll work all the rest out. Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. To do his work. So this is why it's very imperative that in verse 15, the first one, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Not save the righteous, not save the ones that got right, not save the ones that accomplished a checklist, not the ones that, hey, they did all the quote-unquote outwardly Facebook-worthy moments of their life. They, he, No, he came to save sinners. So the first part of that is who recognizes they're a sinner. Who recognizes they're a sinner? Because that's who he saves. That's why Apostle Paul was getting on to this whole false teaching thing is because he doesn't want you to think that you can get right by a checklist. He wants you to understand by the only way to get right is by faith in the one that got us right through Jesus Christ himself. And that he is the one that came to save sinners. The checklist didn't save sinners. Your uh, circumcision isn't saving you as a sinner. You can have, you can, I don't care how many people you uh, help get circumcised or how many people or how many lambs you get rid of and, and butcher and barbecue and do all of these things. If you keep on sinning, none of those checklist items will save you ever, 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 ever. It is Christ Jesus that saves you. He's the one that came to save sinners. So yes, we have to recognize, guess what? I'm a dirty sinner. And he came for me. And Apostle Paul says in here, I am the worst of them all. I'm the worst. Why? Because he, he went after Christians. He went after the new church. He went after and killed, persecuted, and beat those that were professing Christ as Lord and he did it, and he went after them and killed them. And so he, his, it's it's this level of like I can't believe what I've just done. Out of such ignorance, out of such pride, out of such, uh, of lif- listening to a checklist more than God Himself. I think Apostle Paul looks at it and goes, if I was never saved by Christ, I would be one of these that is promoting 
the checklist way to get right. He would still be one of those, but thank God for Christ that came for him, came for us all. That's why this birthday is so special. If he can comfort the, what she says, I am the worst of sinners. If he can, if they can uh, get me right, if Jesus can do that for me, if Jesus can uh, take away this, what I deserve as a sinner and have great, as he says, is a prime example of his great patience with even the worst, with even myself then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. There's another part in this. I, I want you to realize that why I read verse 12 as well is that thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He's talking about here on earth. Christ came to save sinners so you could have eternal life. Yes. But that doesn't stop there. And if you've been through a freedom conference, you know this. Christ not only saves us for an eternal glory with him, but he also saves us right now. He also heals us right now. He strengthens us right now he helps us out right now he's there for you in your day-to-day -day right now the sad part is is there there is there's certain um christian teachers out there that really talk about mainly that christ is there for your eternal salvation but unfortunately can't do too much for you while here on earth you just need to try to do your best until that day comes. And that can't be further from the truth. That can't be further from the truth. And I see faces on here that are part of our freedom team, freedom warriors that we went through freedom conference um, this past fall. And we are already, already um, working on and looking towards uh, the one in the, uh, in the end of spring as well in may um and so i say that as well as like hey if you have not been through a freedom group you need to get through a freedom group if you have not been through one or even if you have and you still know that there's some other junk coming out go through freedom again i, I see so many faces that like don't take it from me take it from anybody else on here that uh, wants to chime in on the chat on what freedom has done for you, what Christ has done for you because of what he does, not only for your eternal salvation, but for today. That he can strengthen you today, that he can free you today so that he can make sure that you are fully equipped for the good work in which he has for you today. Today. yeah Jesus is for all of us 
that Jesus is for every one of us because may we recognize that we are sinners and he came for us. And so it, it, and it, he ends in this, uh, in these three verses that we are looking at. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never, never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Jesus is God. And sometimes some of us, and I've had the question, everyone, like, can you try to explain the Trinity? Can you try to explain the the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but all are the same God kind of triangular model? And uh, there has been so many ways to try to explain this, but understand that uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is God. Is God. We see actually God enacting in these three quote-unquote persons of God. Uh, a perfect example is when Jesus was baptized. When Jesus was baptized, you see um, not only Jesus the Son getting baptized by um John the Baptist, but then God the Father opens up heavens, sends his Holy Spirit like a dove onto Christ, and then God the Father speaks audibly and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. All three enacting at once. And there's a level that this is how great our God is, that he's unable to be comprehended by our man, by our mind. We don't fully have this capability of understanding the immense and eternal depth of our Lord. Our God is so good. He's full of promises that are yes and amen. And so I want us to kind of put ourselves in this idea that to a point we are Timothy. No, we are not in charge of the church of Ephesus. No, we are not all in charge of a church, but we all in some way, shape or form are in charge of our home and ourselves. We're in charge of our home and ourselves. And so what, how can the book of, or the letter of First Timothy uh, here be applicable to us is that he's giving us instructions on where need be is like, how can you better lead your home? How can you better lead even yourself? How can you better lead, even if you are a connect group leader, how can you better disciple those that are in your connect group? How can you further be better in these? And so understand in verse 18, as we kind of give you a little extra nuggets here, Timothy, my son, so put your name there, my son or daughter, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. I want to say this to you. We have to be in the word. We have to be in God's word. 
because this is where we read what God speaks about us. This is where God tells us who we are. This is when we sit down and we are listening to Jesus. This is when we have time for the Lord and we have a relationship with him. Based, where it says, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, have you gotten a prophetic word from the Lord? It doesn't mean that I or somebody else has to come up to you and give you like, this is a prophetic word from the Lord. I'm like, no, it does not mean that. What I'm saying here is, are you sitting down, reading God's word, and believing in what God says about you? Is, are you believing what God says about you? Are you getting a rhema word? Are you getting a Logos word? All right? Rhema word means the Lord speaking to you. You can like hear him almost in your head. Like it's, woo, the Lord just hit me when I'm reading his word or I'm in a time of prayer. The Lord is speaking to me like it's very clear. This is not my thoughts. This is the Lord speaking to me. And getting a word out of his Bible is like a Logos word. So, yeah, and somebody, yes, there are prophets today and there are people that uh, have the gift of prophecy over your life. But I don't want you to run out and seek. I need I need Nick or I need Jason or I need Pastor Brendan or I need somebody to speak a prophetic word. It was like that. It doesn't happen that way. You have to seek the one that gives the prophetic word. That's God. Don't seek all these other people out. Don't seek all this other kind of stuff out. Seek his word. Seek relationship with him. Seek the one, the giver of the gifts. Seek the one that's the giver of the prophecy. Give, seek the one that is the uh, promise fulfiller. The promise fulfiller. Seek him. So based on those, and I'm going to tell you, if you're not in a relationship with him, you won't know what he has to say about you. You won't know the prophetic things that he has about you for your life. He, you won't know what it is based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. Do you have that? Timothy had that. Either it came through Apostle Paul and spoke it over him that way, or it came through any other means. But if you're not in relationship with him, it's going to be real hard. It's going to be real hard. We have to be in his word. We have to spend time with him. We have to be understanding. And guess what? If somebody, if, if somebody just comes up to you, says something crazy, can you bounce it off of his word? Can you say that? Yes, that sounds like the Lord. Yes, I'm, I'm believing for that. Yes and amen. Or it's like, what? Like, no, that's that's not my God. The only way you can know, again, why Apostle Paul talks to Timothy about false preachers is because guess what? If you know the truth of the Lord, you know how to get rid of the deceiving word. Excuse me. You know how to have discernment over those words. 
that are not true. This is why this matters. This is why all of it. He wants to make sure that you are staying in relationship with the true Jesus that is in his word, that is right here. This is why we do soap. This is why we have our soap cards. This is why we do connect groups. This is why we we boast about being in the word of God so much so that we have proper decision-making, so that we know the truth, we know what God says about us. We know all of this. But if you don't, right here, in the second part of 18, if you don't have this, it will not help you fight well in the Lord's battle. But when you are in his word, when you are in community with Jesus, when you have a relationship with him and you know the prophetic words that he has spoken over you, when you know the promise keeper has told you promises about your life, then may you remember those. May you hold on to those promises. May you hold on to those prophetic words. May you hold on to the yes and the amen. May you hold on to that you are not the tail. You are at the head, that you are at made in Christ Jesus, that you are Imago Dei, that you are part of his uh, beloved, that you are saved because of the truth of who Christ is. May you remember that so it can help you fight well in the Lord's battle. That's what this is all about. That's why we celebrate so hard so well and so loving for this birthday that we're celebrating in a few days. Understand that even Apostle Paul said, like, look, you have to be in relationship with him. You have to know the promises that God says over you so that You can fight well, not in your battles, not in on your own, not by yourself, not with anything else, but so you can fight well in the Lord's battle, so that you can fight well in him, with him, understanding what God has for you to do. Understand this, the battle is the Lord's, but we have to show up. We have to show up. I said this before to uh, some of it's like, well, if the battle is the Lord's, I don't don't get it. And it's kind of like, hey, the battle is the Lord's, but if you don't show up on the field, you don't get to be part of the victory. You don't get to be part of the victory. You got to show up on the field. You got to believe that you are on the team of Jesus Christ. That's right. Put the, put your armor on. Put, put your big boy and your big girl pants on. And let's show up for the battle 
and let's watch the Lord win that for us. But if you don't show up on the field, you don't get the Super Bowl ring. Guess what? There's a whole bunch of Eagles fans, and I know you all got a game on Saturday and all that kind of good stuff. But guess what? If you weren't on that field, if you weren't wearing that jersey, you didn't get a Super Bowl ring. There's a whole bunch of fans out there, but no Super Bowl ring because they weren't on the team. And guess what? The Eagles got a limit to how many people are on their team. Jesus doesn't. Jesus came for all of us to be on this team and for all of us to step onto that field and for all of us to be a part of that battle for him to win for us. So as we get closer and closer to this wonderful holiday, this wonderful birthday celebration, this wonderful time that we gather together as family, we gather together as friends, we gather together as a church, we get to do so much of this. I pray that every one of you has a very, very Merry Christmas. I pray you remember the salvation in which God sent his only son to do for all of us. That he came to save you. That is the God that we celebrate. That is the God that we say thank you for. For delivering him so he can deliver all of us. That is the spirit of Christmas. Is that the greatest gift was given to us all. May we never forget our salvation. And may we praise his name and tell so many others about the wonderful gift of salvation. It's better than anything that we could find at Target or in any other last minute sale that we're all looking for right now. Let us pray. Let's have a great Thursday. Let's get excited for Christmas. I'll see you at church and I'll see you online, hopefully on Christmas Day as well. And I pray every one of you has a very Merry Christmas with your friends and your family. May God be with you. May God be with your family. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you right now for your word. I thank you for, thank you for your son, Jesus, that we are getting to celebrate his birthday, getting to celebrate. It's not just that it's a birthday, but it's that you are fulfilling so many of your promises, that your promises are yes and amen, that just by his birth alone, the promises fulfilled by you is way too much to definitely fit underneath the tree. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives, what you're doing through uh, our church community. Lord, I pray a special blessing over everyone on this call and everybody listening later on. May we all have a very Merry Christmas. May we all focus our efforts and everything that we're doing on your son, Jesus. May we all spend some little extra time, not just with you, but also praising and worshiping you with our family this Christmas. May we make sure that everyone knows that why we give gifts 
is because it's a symbolic way of reminding ourselves of the greatest gift to your son, Jesus, to all of us, to all of us sinners. He came to save us. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for coming after us. In your precious son's name, I pray all this. Amen and amen. Have a great one, everyone. Can't wait to see you all on our services that start tomorrow. First one is at 6.30 and then um, at EHT on uh, Saturday, we have four services there. Um, We can't wait to see you then. It's going to be amazing. God bless. Take care. Merry, Merry Christmas.